Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Sabbath Middletown Church, it is wonderful to be with you here on this beautiful Sabbath day. I bring you greetings from Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I'm currently based. And I tell you, we are living in interesting times, aren't we? Now think about it. Uh, Because of this platform, I could be here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, preaching to you in Louisville, Kentucky. In other words, I can kind of be at two places at the same time because of this digital platform. And so we are living in interesting and fascinating times where someone could kind of be at two places at the same time. And so I, before I begin, I just want to take this opportunity to thank the leadership of the Middletown Church for inviting me to speak to you on this wonderful Sabbath day. I believe it was your elder, Elder Lee Hall, that, uh, that reached out to me. And I know Lee and uh, Sandy, very good friends. Uh, they reached out to me a, a few months ago, I believe it was, uh, to preach to. And I was supposed to be there in person, but due to all of this COVID-19 and uh, travel restrictions. It's uh, it's near impossible. It is impossible for me to be up there with you uh, uh, right now in person. But uh, praise God that we have this platform like this where I could still minister to you uh, digitally uh, via this digital platform. And so again, I want to wish you all a, a wonderful, happy Sabbath. Again, I bring you greetings from Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, where I currently reside. I work... Uh, Uh, directing the It Is Written School of Evangelism in partnership with Southern Adventist University right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so uh, that's where I'm currently based right now. I'm sure this town, I'm sure this place is pretty familiar to many of you. Well, I want to get right into it. Today's message is a very important message. I've entitled it, Get Ready. And if I were to use another subtitle, I would probably subtitle it, Do you know the time? Do you know the time? What time is it? Let's bow heads for a word of prayer. Father, speak to us. Thank you for this wonderful digital platform that I could preach to my brothers and sisters at the Middletown Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I pray that you'll be with them in a special way on this beautiful Sabbath day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, Paul admonishes us, besides this, That you know the time. That you know the time. Paul's admonition is still relevant for us today. He wants each and every one of us to know the time. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, it speaks of a tribe by the name of Issachar, the tribe of Issachar. Now, what's very interesting about the tribe of Issachar is that the Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, that the tribe of Issachar were men who understood the time and they knew what Israel ought to do. The tribe of Issachar were men who knew the times that they were living in, and because they knew the times that they were living in, they knew what Israel ought to do. My challenge for you this morning, Middletown Church, is simply this. Do you know and understand the times that we're living in? Now, I'm not talking about the literal time 
the year 2020. I'm not talking about the literal time as in the time in the clock. No, no, no. I'm talking about do you know and understand where we are in Earth's history, the time that we're living in according to Bible prophecy? Are you absolutely sure with certainty that you know the times that we're living in? You see, that's the admonition of, uh, of, of, of Paul. He says that you know the time, like the tribe of Ishakar. Because the tribe of Ishakar knew the times that they were living in, they knew what to do. And the truth is same for you and I today. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 7. Here in the book of Jeremiah, the 8th chapter, the prophet makes a contrast uh, between the birds in nature and the unfaithfulness of the children of Israel. Jeremiah, the 8th chapter, and notice what the Bible says here, and I believe it's verse 7, 7th verse of the book of, uh, uh, book of Jeremiah, uh, at the 8th chapter. It says, Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. Notice what's happening here, dear friends. Here the prophet Jeremiah makes a contrast between the birds in nature and the unfaithfulness of Israel. And here Jeremiah says, look, the stalk, the stalk is a bird. The stalk knows that when it's winter time, it's time to migrate. The stalk knows that when it gets a bit cold, it's time to leave and find warmer climate. The turtle dove knows that when it's springtime, it's time to mate. Or in other words, it's time to give birth. You see, it's interesting the selection of these birds that Jeremiah selects. He selects a turtle dove bird and he also selects a stork because these two birds are punctual birds. They don't wait. They don't delay. The moment they see the change in weather patterns, they know what to do. It's time to leave. It's time to find warmer weather or it's time to mate. It's time to give birth. And then Jeremiah makes the contrast and he says, but my people, they don't even know the times they're living in. They don't even know the judgment that they're living in. Again, Middletown Church, my challenge to you is simple this morning. Do you understand the times that we are living in? Are you absolutely sure with certainty, according to God's word, where we are in earth's history? You know, we are living in unprecedented times. People come to me and they've often asked, Pastor Douglas, what do we do during these times of uncertainty? What do we do during these times of violence? What do we do during these times of pandemic? What can I do during this, this lockdown? Well, I want to suggest to you, Middletown Church, four things, four things you can do during this time of pandemic, during this time of quarantine, during this time of violence and uncertainty, during these unprecedented times. I would strongly suggest to you that during these times that we are living in, now, like never before, is an opportunity for each of us to immerse ourselves 
in the Word of God. Take this time of uncertainty. Take all of this opportunity that we have around us to immerse our minds and our hearts into the Word of God. Nothing is more important than this. That's the reason why I love what King David says in Psalm 119 and verse 11. He says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Can you say that too? Can you say that with honesty and assurance that, look, I have hid the word of God in my heart that I may not sin against thee. He continues to say in verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimonies are my meditation. For thy word is my meditation. During this time of pandemic, during this time of lockdown, during this time of violence and uncertainty, are you meditating on God's word? Take this time, dear friends, to meditate on scripture. There is power in God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that. There is power in God's word. I'm reminded of a friend of mine. I was preaching at a church, um, I believe it was uh, about a year or so, or two years ago. And um, the senior pastor of the church, it was a pretty huge church. He speaks about a time when he was uh, pastoring uh, or doing mission work in Asia. And in the little village that he was in, there was a family that uh, had experienced some demonic possession in their home, demonic harassment. And so they called on the pastor to come and do something because they knew that this was a man of God. And so the pastor would come and uh, inquire about what they would do when they would hear these strange noises and these strange things moving around their house, levitating in their living room or whatever it may be. And uh, they would say to the pastor, well, whenever we hear these things or see these things, we would call upon the name of Jesus. We would cry, Jesus, Jesus, help us. And then the pastor would say to them, then what would happen after that? And they would reply by saying, nothing happened. Even though we cried and called out upon the name of Jesus, nothing happened. It just kept on going. And so my pastor friend had a lot of wisdom and experience in ministry and so he turns to the family and he asks the family do you ever have family devotions do you spend time studying God's word to which the family replied no we never spend time studying God's word or having family devotions to which the pastor replied to the family well you have no power to cast out these demons you see dear friends Power comes when you spend time in God's Word. There is power in God's Word, not only to cast out demons, but there's power in God's Word to bring about transformation and conversion in your own life. That's what the power of God's Word can do. I often remind my students here at Southern Adventist University of a quote that I read some time ago where the author says, Nothing can do to your mind what the Word of God can do. The study of God's Word can expand the faculties of your mind. You see, dear friends, that's power. There is power in God's Word. There's power to bring about transformation in your life. 
this power to cast out demons, this power to expand the depth and the breadth of your mind. So during this time of pandemic, during this time of uncertainty, take this opportunity to immerse yourself in God's Word and get to know Jesus on a personal level. Here's advice or suggestion number two that I would suggest to you. Seek the Lord daily for a new heart and a right spirit. As much as I encourage you to study God's word with all sincerity and with all humility, seeking for what is truth, at the same time, dear friends, as you study and immerse yourself in God's word, seek the Lord daily for a new heart and a right spirit. Now, why do I say this? Because truth, no matter how truthful, must ever be spoken in love. You see, you can study God's Word and understand these beautiful doctrines. You may immerse yourself in Scripture and study these beautiful truths in God's Word, dear friends. But you know what? If you don't have a loving spirit, if you don't have a loving heart, then no matter how truthful these truths may be, it is of no avail. You see, truth, no matter how truthful it may be, must always be spoken with a spirit of humility and a spirit of love. So take this time, suggestion number two, take this time to seek the Lord for a new heart and a right spirit. You know, there are so many people today and I'm probably sure you can agree too, Middletown Church. There are so many people who have the truth, but they don't have the right spirit. There are so many people today who preach truth, but they don't have a new heart. They don't have a loving spirit. Let me give you an example found in the book of Numbers chapter 20. Numbers uh, chapter 20, and I believe it's verses 10. Numbers chapter 20 and uh, verse 10. Now, the story here is a story about uh, Moses. And uh, notice what the Bible says in Numbers chapter 20, verses 10 and 11. And it reads, And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And, and he uh, said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? Verse 11. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And so the Bible tells us here that because Moses was angry, the Bible says here that Moses could not go into the promised land. I want to read to you a quote found in the book Patriarchs and Prophets. Uh, it's found in uh, page 417. Notice here what this author says concerning this, this piece of scripture. Here she says, Moses had spoken from irritated feeling. His words were an expression of human passion rather than of holy indignation because God had been dishonored. Hear now, ye rebels, he said. This accusation was true, but even truth 
is not to be spoken in, patience, in passion or impatience. Did you catch that, dear friends? Truth, no matter how truthful it may be, must always be spoken with a spirit of love and a spirit of forgiveness and a spirit of humility. Now, now when Moses said, Hear now ye rebels, were the children of Israel rebels? Absolutely. He was telling the truth. But the way he said it, with what spirit did he say it with? Here, Ellen White tells us that he said it with a spirit of accusation, a spirit of impatience. And because of that, because of that, Moses could not enter into Canaan land. Here's another quote, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 417. And it reads, You may be true to principle. You may be just, honest, and religious. But with it all, you must cultivate true tenderness of heart, kindness, and courtesy. You see, dear friends, when we are speaking the truth, be it the truth of the Sabbath, be it the truth of baptism, be it the truth of the second coming of Jesus, be it the truth of the state of the dead, may we seek to have a spirit of kindness, a spirit of courtesy, and a spirit of love. So that's my second point. Take this time to search God for a spirit of love and a spirit of kindness, because truth, no matter how truthful it may be, must never be spoken in impatience must never be spoken harshly. We must speak it with a spirit of love, kindness, and humility. Here's point number three. During this time of pandemic, during this time of quarantine, and during this time of uncertainty, you're going to make mistakes in your journey and your experience with God. But I want to strongly suggest to you this morning, Middletown Church, if you make a mistake, well, let me rephrase that again. When you make a mistake, it's not a matter of if, when. When you make a mistake, please remember this point. Don't get discouraged. When you make a mistake, when you fall flat on your face, don't get discouraged. I see this happening with young people that I work with every day. And not only with young people, with church members. Every time they make a mistake, Every time they fall flat on their face, they become so discouraged to the point that they don't get back up again. I want to encourage you, dear friends, that when you fall flat on your face, when you make a mistake, get back up. Don't be discouraged. Now, time does not allow me to elaborate on this, but you can read this for yourself. Now, you remember uh, the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 7, all the way to the book of Joshua chapter 9. Uh, the Bible speaks of two major mistakes that Joshua made during the early conquest of Canaan. Number one, you remember this, the premature attack on Ai. Remember that story? The premature attack on Ai. And also, secondly, the, um, the covenant or the league that he made with the deceptive uh, Gibeonites. These were two mistakes that Joshua made. And... Uh, the scripture even speaks of how Joshua and the elders of Israel were so distraught 
because of the defeat of I. And the Bible says that they rent their clothes and they put dust on their heads. That's Joshua chapter 7 and verse 6. And the Bible says there that God apparently had low tolerance for the discouragement that Joshua was experiencing. He says in verse 10, Get thee up. Why are you lying upon your face? In other words, God was telling Joshua, Joshua, why are you discouraged? Get up. Why are you lying on your face? You see, dear friends, a lot of times we are like Joshua. We often make mistakes in our life and we become so discouraged and we, and we stay in our discouragement. We remain in our discouragement. That's not the will of God for you and I for to remain in our discouragement. No, the Bible says that God wants us to live life and life more abundantly. He wants us to come out of that 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 uh, that experience of discouragement. That's why he says, get up. Why are you discouraged, Joshua? If you've made a mistake in your life, dear friends, get back up. Come to Jesus just as you are. And Jesus will accept you just as you are. I heard one preacher say, God loves you, that he accepts you just as you are. But he loves you even more that he no longer keeps you as you are. You see, dear friends, the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. If you've made a mistake, if you've fallen into sin, come to Jesus just as you are. Because there's no other way you can come to Jesus but just as you are. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, Pastor Douglas, you don't know me. You don't know the depths of sin that I've committed, and probably so. Let me tell you this, dear friends. I heard one preacher say, for every one gallon of your sin, God has 50 gallons of grace. Just come to Jesus, just as you are, and he will cleanse you with his grace and his power. You know, failure is often a stepping stone to something better. Um, failure is really not the opposite of, of success. It's really part of success. And in Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 4, it reads, Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fail and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Here Jeremiah says, When you fail, shouldn't you get back up? You know, people have failed in their life so many times. Just because you have failed several times in your life doesn't make you a failure. I want to share with you stories of people who failed in their life. Remember Walt Disney? Walt Disney became bankrupt um, and failed five times before coming up with this idea of Disney. Five times. I think of, uh, I think of people like um, Bill Gates dropped out of school. He failed. And because of his persistence, he got back up again. You see, dear friends, when you fail, just get back up. Henry Ford, we all know of his success, but did you know five times he was left broke? Five times. You see, dear friends, when you fail, get back up. Come to Jesus just as you are. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Here's my fourth and final point for this morning. Remember this, during this time of pandemic, during this time of uncertainty, if you've forgotten anything, please do not forget my final point. Remember this, dear friends. You 
are valuable in the sight of God. You have been purchased with the blood of Jesus. Don't let Satan tell you that you have no value. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. That's the reason the Bible says you are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. Your value is connected to the blood of Jesus, not on things. That's the reason why the world teaches you that your value is connected to how much money you make, what position you have in society, the kind of car you drive, the kind of house you live. No, no, no. The Bible tells us that your value is connected to the blood of Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You are precious in the sight of God. And Jesus is coming back to take you home. Dear friends, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is coming soon. I want to be ready when Jesus comes. How about you? Let's bow heads for a word of prayer. Father, we are living in uncertain times. We want to know with certainty and with assurance the times that we're living in. And Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Keep us faithful. Bless the Middletown Church, its leadership. Keep them safe. Bless them with many souls and, and growth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.